Hey there, this is Emily Hoover, and we are so glad that you are listening to the Mission Point Community Church podcast. It's our prayer that this helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and encourages you to show and share the love of Jesus everywhere you go. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into the message. If you have a copy of the Bible, meet me in um, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, we are going to look at one verse. Um, Kirsten alluded to this, verse 27. James chapter 1, verse 27. And uh, Before we get there, the thing you need to know about James and the book of James is that it is incredibly practical. The book of James, if anything, errs on the side of being simple and incredibly practical. And the theme of the book of James is continue to prove your faith is legit by the way you live, no matter where you live or what you're living through. Continue to prove that your faith is legit by the way you live, no matter where you live or what you are living through. And James will say, you say you believe in God, great. Prove it by what you do. Very, very practical. Uh, man, about seven years ago, on this very weekend, I can remember that uh, I was getting ready um, to, to teach and um, had a plan in place when the Lord made very clear that he wanted us to redirect our attention and talk about the charge found in the verse we're about to look at, James chapter 1, verse 27. And we did that, and man, it shook and has continued to shape us as a church in incredible ways, convincing us, if anything, we have to be the kind of church that does, not just says. We have to be the kind of church that does and not just talks. James chapter 1, verse 27. Here's what it says. The verses will appear on the screen Um, And you can follow along that way. Um, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Do something to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Do something to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep yourself from being polluted by the world. And man, we sat in this verse together as a church many years ago, and we were never the same. And if you are just joining the church or you're just stepping into Mission Point Community Church, you are stepping into a church that has been wrecked and has been changed by the calling in this verse. And if you stick around long enough, you will find that this affects everything we do. You will find it everywhere you go in the church that there is a virgin version of religion according to James there is a version of religion that heaven will always accept and always approve of and it's the version of faith 
that does something to help the orphan. If your version of religion or your version of faith in God, whatever that looks like, does not include doing something to take care of the widow and the orphan, heaven considers it at a minimum faulty and polluted, if not altogether false. James is not saying, oh, there's a special category of people in the church who are specially trained to do this, but for the rest of you, you're off the hook. There's a special people who love kids in a very unique way. He is saying, if you claim faith in God, prove it by the fact that you do something to care for the orphan. Now, it's very important that we say something about this before we move on. James is not suggesting that the only way you can prove your faith to be authentic is by taking care of the orphan and the widow. He's not saying that authentic faith only takes care of orphans and widows. What James is saying is authentic faith in God will do something to take care of the most vulnerable in our world. In his particular cultural context, it happened to be orphans and widows. They represented the most vulnerable of all people. And you understand that for a widow in that culture, if she lost her husband, she has no way of providing for herself because she was not technically allowed to work. She had very limited rights. And so all of a sudden, her husband is gone. She cannot provide, she cannot protect herself, and she became vulnerable to being taken advantage of in some of the most unspeakable ways. If a child loses its parents, then the means of providing for or protecting itself are completely removed. And that is not sustainable. That child is going to die. So when James speaks of orphans and widows, all he is attempting to reach for are the most vulnerable people in that context. Whatever your version of faith is, it must figure out a way to do something for the most vulnerable in your world. The reason you're going to hear us as a church talk so much about children is not because we believe they are the only vulnerable populations in the world, but we believe they are the most vulnerable. And therefore, we want to start leaning into the words of James with the most vulnerable in our world. I'm so thankful we live in a culture where being a widow is not the same as it would have been in James's day. But you and I both know, we live in a cultural context right now where still the most vulnerable of the most vulnerable are going to be kids. And so we will start there. We won't stop there, but here at Mission Point, you're going to hear us start and focus so much around the plight of the vulnerable child, the helpless, the hampered, the hurting child, the child most prone to be hurt. Religion that God accepts is the kind that figures out ways to relieve the burdens pressing down on the most vulnerable persons. And we knew years ago we want to be that kind of church. We want to be that kind of church. And y'all, a crazy dream was born. A dream so crazy, I couldn't believe with the audacity to say it out loud, but we did. And the dream was to be part of a church in which every single person is doing something to care for a vulnerable child. 
said because we believed it. And it's crazy because, listen, that is not how you strategically build a church. That is not how you grow the population of a church, not on paper. I mean, you could at least start with maybe 17% of the church will care about the plight of the most vulnerable child. Those who are specially trained, those who are specially called, those who majored, you know, in, in elementary education, those people. But for everybody else, we kind of get a pass. And yet you read this passage of scripture, it is not speaking specifically of a very unique demographic of people. It's speaking about anyone who claims any faith in God, and we knew we wanted to be part of a church movement in which every single person was doing something to lean into the words of James and to prove the authenticity of our faith and have heaven leaning over and saying, now that is legit. And the crazy dream was born. Um, No bystanders, everybody doing something. No onlookers, no exemptions, because James doesn't give any exemptions. Man, I was recently listening to a friend telling a story, uh, a, a true story about something that happened on the West Coast a number of years um, ago. Um, in fact, he showed a video of this, um, this incident. And the incident was there was a man um, parked um, outside a strip mall, and uh, his car caught on fire, and he was stuck in the car, unable to get out. I was so tempted, by the way, to show the video in church, and then I was, because the story ends well. Then I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And the primary reason I didn't want to show that video is because there was a video of it. But we'll come back to that in a second. Right. So this man is in his car trapped, and his car is engulfed in flames. And in the video, you can see um, the bystanders and the onlookers, and they're commenting about this car that's engulfed in flames. And you can see them kind of backing away so they don't get any of that flame on them. And then the dude who's taking a video, like he's got this running commentary, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening. You know, and on and on he went as everybody retreated. Again, the reason I didn't want to show the video in church was because there was a video taken of it. So as is true in our culture, a car is engulfed in flames, camera out. Let's video the situation and let's run commentary about this crisis that's happening right in front of us as we pull away from it. But in the midst of all of this, there was this one dude. And as time went on, as everybody moved away from the fire, he moved towards it. Taking step after step after step after step, sneaking his way until eventually he made it to the car, reached in, grabbed the guy, pulled him out to safety and saved his life. After the incident was done, you know, TV shows up and they interviewed the guy who took the video of it. And he was brilliant. Oh man, he gave a great interview about, man, all the crackling sound of the fire. And then we saw this and then the people around and I looked in and I could see, I couldn't tell if his eyes were quite open, but man, what a day, huh? You know, and brilliant interview. And James is saying, listen, Authentic faith, authentic faith is not made up of people who say they believe a certain thing about God and in the crisis they withdraw from the vulnerable child. He's saying no, authentic. while the whole world is moving away from hurting kids, my people are going to move towards them and they're going to do something about it. 
not just running commentary, not just being onlookers. And we knew we want to be that kind of a church. While everybody may be withdrawing, we want to be moving towards the hurting and the hungry and the helpless and the homeless and the hopeless. Um, Recent numbers suggest that in the world right now, uh, there are somewhere around 153 million orphans. Um, Meaning you could fill the state of Indiana about 22 times over with the number of kids in the world who have no parents to call theirs and no place to call home. Come on, you know kids were created to thrive in a family where they are protected and they are provided for. But for 153 million in our world, that's not the reality. And we knew we wanted to be the kind of church that moves towards that crisis to do something for those kids. But it's not just kids, you know, in other parts of the world, um, across on other shores. They are hurting and vulnerable kids in our own backyard. In the last year, there have been about 10,000 kids go through the foster care system in the state of Indiana. Now, these are kids who, for some reason, they cannot stay in their homes, whether they're, um, you know, unfit or unsafe or somebody is just unwilling or unable uh, to care for them. These kids are put in a situation where they have to be yanked from their home and put in the foster care system and hopefully placed in a home somewhere temporarily with people they don't know. Um, And oftentimes that may result in moving from one home to another home to another home in the hopes that some work is being done to make home a safe enough place for them to eventually return to. But in the meantime, they are nomadic, moving from place to place unless there is a short-term situation. And we knew we wanted to be the church that moves towards those kids to do something. Right now, there are 62 kids in uh, the foster care um, system in our state, and 40 of those kids are in kinship households. Um, And uh, the kinship household just means that uh, a family had a kid brought to live with them and they weren't ready for it. But because they were maybe the closest relative or the the person that the kid knew, they were put in a situation where their family has now received someone they were not fully prepared to take care of, which has a way of creating a heavy and complicated situation. And we knew we must be a church that moves towards that to do something about it. Um, There are 12 families in our county right now that are preservation cases. And um, that means with a little bit of support, they get to keep their kids out of foster care, but they're on the verge. on their verge. It is amazing to think for some families, it is really just a couple of very simple practical things that are the difference between whether the kids get to stay in their home or whether the home is considered unfit and the kids get pulled out. And we knew we want to be the kind of church that moves towards those families and does 
something. Right now, sadly, um, in our state, there are 56 kids whose parental rights have been terminated, which means for those kids, they have no place to return to. They have no place to call home unless somebody takes them in and gives them a home through adoption. 56 of those kids right now. And we knew we must be a church that moves towards that kid who doesn't have a home to do something. And that's just speaking about kids who are in vulnerable situations that we're aware of because there are ways and matrices of figuring it out. That's not speaking about some of the, you know, the epidemic of, of mental health struggle that is happening. That's not speaking about some of the kids who go to school with your kids or, or in a co-op with your kids who are going through difficult things. And though everything may seem okay on the surface, home is a hard, hard place. And we want to be a church that figures that out and does something for those kids. While everybody else might be tempted to retreat and withdraw, and that's James's point, as would be the way of the world, we want to be moving towards those places. So the next couple of weeks, what we want to do um, in this conversation is twofold. Number one, we want to take time as a church to celebrate. And that might sound like an odd thing to say. But what we want to take time to celebrate is the fact that the crazy, insane dream that was birthed years and years ago is a growing reality here at Mission Point. And if you don't believe me, just ask around. Oh, there's a kid situation. Send them to Mission Point. You know how they are. You all have been this amazing movement of people who have done the unthinkable. And while everyone is moving away, you all have found ways to say yes to stepping in and doing something to help the vulnerable child. And we are becoming that church, the church that heaven is leaning over the balcony, looking at and saying, that's what authentic religion looks like. And we want to take time to just celebrate the different ways and some of the stories of the ways God is doing this because we are so prone at times to say, hey, we need to do this and we need to step in in this way. And then when God does something, we move on. We need to step in in this way now as opposed to pausing and just reveling in what God by his grace is doing in our midst. Y'all are amazing. What a privilege to be a part of some of the things that God is, is doing. Um, we also want to take some time to call some of you. Um, either to say, yeah, we've been doing some things, but we sense God is calling us to say the next yes to do the next something. But for some of you, it may be the call to maybe do the first something for a vulnerable child in the world. And we're excited about that as well, because you are going to hear over the next couple of weeks how simple it can be to step into the story and do something for a vulnerable child and lean into the words of James and in many ways prove authenticity to the faith that we 
claim. Because if you're anything like me, I'm telling you, I hear numbers like 153 million, and unless I saw it on a screen, I wouldn't even know how many zeros are in that. And that can feel overwhelming. That's how many orphans are in the world. How are we supposed to take care of all of that? And then you start to talk about these numbers in the foster care system. That's a whole system. I don't even know where this system is. Have I driven by it? Is it next to Duncan? That feels like so much. And then kinship placements, that's a new language that I've never heard about. Ah! I'm going to just withdraw if you don't mind because the fire seems a little bit hot and overwhelming if you're anything like me. And we as a church want to say, oh no, it is so simple to say yes and step in and do something. In fact, one of the goals of our church is to make it especially simple for everybody to be able to do their something to step into the story of a vulnerable child. Because if you read what James is saying, the expectation is not that we would do everything for every vulnerable child. The expectation is that we would do something for a vulnerable child. And if we're not careful, we could feel overwhelmed by numbers or crises or situations or flames, and we'll just retreat and say we're going to leave it up to the specially called. And man, the reality is everybody can do something. It may not be the same thing, and it may not be that thing, but we can all do something. Whether you're a college student, whether you're a high school student, whether you know, you're an empty nester, whether you're young married, it does, whether you're single, it doesn't matter. We can all do something. As a church, we want to figure out what that something is so we can be that kind of church. Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, Jesus says, you did it for me. Everyone can do something, and your something counts. Um, man, for my wife and I, um, our something was vivid and scary. And if you've been around here for a while, you've heard the crazy story um, of how we got called into um, adoption. And a number of years ago, a coworker came and said, I need to, to talk to you about a dream that I had. I said, okay, I'm very interested. Tell me this dream. And uh, then the dream was described. In this dream, I saw you sitting with a little girl. And um, uh, the little girl was uh, brown skin, like, chocolate frappuccino flavored. Um, and I could tell a couple of things about her. First, I could tell she was very sassy. And I could tell that she felt extremely safe with you. Oh, and also she had this cutest like floral pattern dress like with little, little hair ties. Her hair was all did and cute and everything. And her name was Sydney or something like that. Man, I heard the story, the dream, and immediately I knew God is inviting us to move towards a little girl, chocolate-flavored frappuccino somewhere in the world called Sydney or something like that. So I went home and I shared with my wife, and she got the same sense. And also I remember her saying something to the effect of like, great, just what we need in our home is one more sassy girl, right? Um, but where do you begin Right? Like, that's all the information we had. And so we started to pray about what was next. And man, some days later, this coworker called us back and said, um, I was at, I can't remember what it was, maybe Thanksgiving with um, some of my relatives. And I was telling them about this dream. And one of them said, You know, when you were telling that dream, it reminded me of a little girl that we met when we were in Haiti. But I don't think her name was Sydney or anything like that. So I went and I checked. And guess 
What? I found out that just after we left, the nannies changed her name. And you will never believe what her name now is. And she's like, Sydney? No. Sydney, what kind of Haitian name is that? It's Sin Z. But I can see how you twist it and, and anglicize it and whatever. But um, so we got this information and with it, a picture of a little girl. And so we started the process and we started like selling stuff, you know, to, to make room for this. And, and we started making calls and we called over um, to this particular place, um, uh, the orphanage at which she was staying. And I can still remember the initial conversation it was like, I'm sorry, hey, how did you hear about this place? How did you hear about this girl? And what on earth makes you think she is adoptable? She is not adoptable. I'm sorry. Like, all right. Then we got a call, I can't remember how many days later, and it went from, she is not adoptable to, okay, okay, let's say for the sake of argument that she is adoptable, would you guys be willing to adopt her sister as well? Because in the process of finding out information about her background, we found out that there was another sister, the two of them had never met, they didn't know the other existed, would you be willing to? And we were like, let's pray, yes, I mean, we're in it now. And man, I'll tell you, as we started to step into this story, and I'm just warning some of you who are going to say yes to the ways the Lord is stirring, the Lord provided in ways we just could not imagine. He moved obstacles. He moved mountains. We were blown away the whole way through. And as we were in the process of, you know, adopting these two girls, we got another call. Um, so here's the thing. There's a third sister. Uh, what would you guys think? And we're, at that point, we were naive enough to be like, yes, it's going to be fun, they said. You know, um, what's three, you know? Um, but we said yes, and uh, man, I'll tell you, um, after four years of waiting, uh, three chocolate frappuccino-flavored girls uh, came home. I'm probably going to get canceled for saying that. But um, <laughs> here's a picture of them up here. Um, this is uh, about the time they, they came, and um, one of the reasons I wanted you to see this was because the floral patterns on the dress and the little hair did. I'm just saying, when God invites you into something, it's quite an adventure. And I just want to tell you, we can take them down because they're not adoptable anymore. Um, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> Ask me on the right day. Um, but, man, I wish I could then stand up here and tell you, and you know, and then it's been just flowers and bows the whole time. Because once you say yes to stepping into something in that direction, it's just easy. But, yeah, my, yeah, the pants would be on fire. That would not be the case at all. Um, but, man, it has been what God has called us to do and the something he's called us to do. And in the midst of it, we found that, man, we are the ultimate ones being changed and transformed in ways uh, we did not expect. And listen to me, I just want to issue warning to some of you, because you stepped into this room this morning and you had no idea that in the course of the coming days that the Spirit is going to stir and call you to be an adoptive parent. And you're like, uh, no way. By the way, I want you to know that one of the reasons that I think the Lord spoke to us in such a vivid dream is because we're special. Ah, I'm kidding. I honestly think the reason he did that was because I don't think we would have just responded sitting in a room like this. He knew what it would take to get us to say yes. And he didn't give us enough information. 
We just knew what we needed to know to take the next step. Whereas for some of you, you will sense the stirring of the spirit and that will be enough for you to say, I think we're supposed to open our doors and you will feel a stirring and we'll invite you. That may be your something. Step into your something. While everybody else went, ah, that may be the something he's calling you to. And for some of you, it's going to be foster care. Like, I never thought it would open our doors to, to, to taking in a kid temporarily because, man, that is heartaching. And we'll get burned. And then the kid, you know, gets taken back to their home. And then that's going to hurt. And I don't know that we can handle that. But you may sense the Spirit of God in the next couple of weeks stirring you to do that. That may be your something. That may be your next something. But believe it or not, one of the reasons I wanted to tell that story was to shatter a lie. And the lie that has lived in the church for a very long time is that if you are not adopting or fostering, are you even doing anything for a vulnerable child? And we want to say, absolutely. Your something may not be foster care or adoption, but don't let that make you think that, well, if I'm not jumping into a fire, make a call. Put the camera down and use the phone to call 911, sir. Or run into the store, get some water, sir. Something, right? Your something may not be that thing, but there is a something for you. Do not believe the lie that says if we're not doing this grand epic thing that we are not doing anything that counts. Oh, there are a lot of some things and these some things count. And our dream is that this will be a church full of people who are finding their something and are doing that something, right? And as a church, that is why you're going to hear us invite you into a variety of different um, kinds of opportunities um, and I'll tell you some of them that you might hear over and over again because it counts, right? Like Love Ed. You're going to hear us talk about Love Ed, um, which for us as a church, we've kind of partnered with Lincoln Elementary School here in town. And I'm just telling you, when you go to Lincoln Elementary and you're a, a, like a buddy to one of those kids or you're reading to one of those kids and you're developing a relationship, helping them to feel safe and special, that counts. It makes a difference. In a school that is 47% free and reduced lunch, meaning there are kids at the school, Lincoln, who that may be the only reliable meal that they get in a given day. And when you step into their stories, it counts. It makes a real difference, whether you're a college student or whether you're an empty nester, whoever you happen to be, stepping into those spaces makes an incredible difference. So our mission partners, when you choose to engage with one of our mission partners, uh, you make a difference in the lives of vulnerable kids. And the reason for that is because here at Mission Point, our mission partners, are chosen in part because their ministry impacts vulnerable children. So listen, when you step in and you say, I'm gonna jump in with design outreach, y'all, we put, what, four life pumps in the ground in Zambia in four months? That counts. That counts because it is kids who are assigned to walk miles to go get contaminated water and bring it back home, which means they cannot be in school. They're pulled out. And those water holes will oftentimes have crocodile infestation and they're bad characters along the way. And those kids are put in vulnerable situations. When you all gave 
to be part of putting clean water in the ground in Zambia, kids can now go back to school. And they're taken out of those situations. Their future trajectory is impacted by a small decision you made on this end. And I'm telling you, that may be your something, and that something counts. Or it's Sampia Bible School. And you're like, what's Sampia Bible School? Trains up um, pastors to go and carry the gospel into places where it doesn't currently exist. But some of you may not be aware of the fact that Sampia Bible School is also a group of people who helped connect us with kids that you all helped to sponsor and send to school. And some of them have graduated now because school was not an option until some of you got involved and your something was stepping into those stories and changing them forever. Or Agatas, I mean, come on. I mean, it's serving kids through the gift of Sports and oftentimes it's kids in, in low income communities, and it's beautiful. And the next thing you know, the pop up camps and these pop up camps, relationships are being built and food is being served, um, and it is making a real difference. You're going to hear some of that here in a, a little bit, and we're just saying it, it counts. And the Nest, our recent um, addition to uh, mission partners who help support pregnant women or, or new moms with you know, unique challenges that put their babies at risk. Um, and they come and surround that. When you get involved in that, that is a something that matters. That is a something that counts incredibly. Um, we have care communities here at Mission Point. We've referred to them as care crews in the past. You're going to hear us refer to them more as care communities um, moving forward. But these are groups of about six people who band together and they surround, say, a foster family or a kinship family and say, we will be your people and we'll help support you and we'll help supply the different things that you need so you all can keep surrounding the most vulnerable kids. And the groups are made of like, you know, college students and, you know, young marrieds. I mean, it's amazing. And yet that something counts and makes an incredible, incredible um, difference. So the care portal. The care portal is like it subscribes you to a list and um, when needs arise, either from DCS or maybe uh, the schools or needs in, in the foster care world, um, those will come to your device and tell you like uh, blankets needed. And if this family doesn't get this, they may be put in an odd situation. And so would you be willing to supply this thing? Um, and it's been amazing to hear stories of some of you who just this past week stepped in, you know, and delivered a bed which could have been the difference between kids staying and kids coming out of the house. And that counts. That makes an incredible difference through the care portal. All I'm telling you is we as a church want to labor to make this very simple, very practical, very accessible so everybody can have a something that they do. And that's not even counting some of the ways you all are just on fire doing this. And we just don't even know the ways you are doing that. Although in the next couple of weeks, we would love to find out what some of that is. And like I said, for some of us, it's going to be foster care. For some of us, it's going to be adoption. And the Lord is going to call us into all of that. Uh, man, in a few minutes, Kirsten's going to come out, and she's going to share um, some of uh, the homework we want to give you. Um, because we would love to celebrate some of the ways you're already living this out, some of the ways you're doing your something. And would love to invite you to consider maybe taking a next step in doing something so that heaven would lean over and see in us a religion that says Jesus ran towards the fire when we were the vulnerable ones. And not only did he pull us out, he stood on a cross and absorbed the fire so that it would never touch us 
again. And now he says, continue what I've done for you and do it in the lives of other people. And we get to do that. And that is an incredible privilege. That is an incredible joy. And we look forward to seeing the ways that that is going to continue to happen. So Kirsten will come out in a bit and share things um, on a more practical level. But first, let's meet one of you who is, uh, just shares a story of doing something to step into the stories of one of our mission partners. Uh, this is Jenny Poe. Check out the screen. This summer, we got involved in the Agatas pop-up camps. Um, we're not even sure why we signed up or how we heard about it, but it just seemed like a great opportunity to take our kids and serve alongside us. We got to go door to door and knock on the doors and just kind of recruit a bunch of kids to come play soccer. We got to even teach a little bit of a lesson and just listen and be there for these kids. We have four young kids, so it's not always easy to serve. So it felt like this first night after we kind of took our kids to serve alongside with us, it just felt so exciting that God gave us this kind of renewed excitement and passion and admiration for these kids, um, that they kind of welcomed us into their neighborhood and we got to serve and get to know them and play with them and it just felt really exciting and really fun. We got involved with the pop-up camp without knowing necessarily that a lot of these kids were Lincoln kids, which is where our kids go to school. and where we serve Love Ed through Mission Point. As the Agatas camps were kind of wrapping up, there was this opportunity that came up, just do you want to be a part of the giving room at Lincoln? So what the giving room is, is a room, a place where these kids at Lincoln can come and get things they might not have easy access to. So clothing, coats, gloves, hygiene products, school supplies. The first day I got to serve at the giving room, you get a list of kids and we just pull them from their class to come and grab the supplies that they need. And it was really cool because a lot of the kids on my list just happened to be kids from the Agatas pop-up camp, which was awesome. One of the girls ran up to me and gave me a hug and, and it was like, like that friend that you knew before. So it's just really cool to be able to continue that relationship and show and share the love of Christ just in the way of supporting them, being there providing these things that they might need and just being a friend. I think it counts because sometimes these kids just feel forgotten. And I think just see, even seeing them at the grocery store now or at Lincoln and you know, you're like, and so then it's fun. So now it's like, oh my gosh, like we're, it's like it was a fun bond because we got to be friends over the summer. They feel seen, they feel remembered, they feel special. And it counts because they matter. So it was really cool that you know, God kind of took it all full circle. It was like we signed up for Agatas, just period. And then from there, it was like, do you want to get involved in the giving room? Okay, what's the giving room? This is a special place to provide stuff for these kids, the same exact kids at Lincoln. Lincoln happened to be the school where we serve through Love Ed at Mission Point. And it was just, God was moving and stirring and it was just constantly one after the next after the next. God works and even in something as small as signing up for the pop-up camp, here we are so many dominoes later, just seeing God work and provide and, and just move in something so small. 
man, it counts. And I tell you, sitting in this position as a mission coordinator, I feel like I'm just a hub of being able to hear stories like Jenny's and getting ongoing updates, even for her to tell me, hey, I met this woman at the park and her kids go to Lincoln and she's wondering where she could find food or how to do this. And I want to help her. And I'm like, yes, let's go. So getting to just be that hub to hear so much of what you were already doing. We could have had so many of you here on the screen talking about the time you read in a fourth grade classroom, and then you saw the same girl, Agatos, and now you're trying to figure out how do I make sure her family over Christmas break has food in her hands? There's so many different ways in which this is happening in, um, in an ongoing way, and it's, it's a thrill to do. So it is my joy today to be the first person ever to assign you some homework here at Mission Point. You can see on the screen, this is our It Counts card. It's our response card. And on it is listed all of those things that Kondo just got to explain to you, the avenues here at Mission Point that we have to send you towards a way of finding your something to serve the vulnerable child in our community and across the globe. What we want to be able to know and to celebrate is how are you actively doing this? What are you already doing? You know, check those boxes there. Maybe you write in the other of like, I'm a CASA. I'm on the board of CASA. I am um, a big brother with big brothers, big sisters. I do this and I do that. We want to know and to celebrate because that's important for us to know as a church. But we also want to know what are you willing to respond to and to learn more about through those different avenues that you can see on the screen. So we'll celebrate and then we will make sure based on what you say you're willing to learn more about, we will make sure you're equipped to learn more about that thing. When I talk about this response card and the ask that I'm making right now, I know there's kind of two you know, types of people in this room, two responders in this room, one who's gonna say, you know what? We can check quite a few things, you know? We, we give a lot of our time to Love Ed. We have fostered, we are currently fostering, or we've adopted, and we wanna celebrate that you found your something. And then there's others of you who are just, again, just looking, what is that thing for you? And we believe that it is there. And we wanna give you those options. But we also wanna challenge that first group who has said, I do these things. Can you relook at the list? Just look one more time. And again, ask the Lord, what else could there be for me? So you have been warned, you have been assigned. We're asking you to like look through this list, pray through this list. We are convinced, as you've got to hear this morning through um, looking at James, like this is an element of our faith and how we live that faith out. So ask the Lord to examine your heart, the Holy Spirit to move you. And we're actually gonna take some time this morning for you to do that, to pray over this list, to ask. And I pray that you would just say, Lord, I see the need for the vulnerable around us. Let me be ready to say yes and show me where that yes is. We know God will give direction when we ask for, especially when we're asking for something that he cares so much about. So I'm gonna... Let you guys pray on your own or people next to you asking for wisdom and direction. And then I will close us our time together in prayer.
God, we come to you being mindful of these stories that we've heard, these numbers that we've heard. Help us to individualize that for us. Help us to see that, to acknowledge that there are families right now knowing that winter is coming and they're calling the school, they're calling DCS to say, could you help keep our kids warm this winter? We know that there are kids who, even over this weekend, something happened and they're having to be removed from their home. And if they have yet to find that home, they're in a DCS office somewhere waiting for someone to say yes. God, there are lives, young lives who have a, a need, God. May we, even in our strategic planning meeting that we're having right now of how do we enter the crisis, not forget faces in these, this, this is a real issue that we have, people that you have created in your very image and you long to be their savior. That's who we're talking about. So as we are sitting in this room and there are groups of friends together, there are couples together, there are individuals in this room, families in this room, God, Holy Spirit, would you stir in us? God, we, we need your direction. God, posture us in a way of why not? Let's say yes, let's do something. And God, would you reveal your something to them? We pray over this week that there would be so much buzz among the people of Mission Point and those around them of what are we gonna do? How are we going to do this? The, the foyer last, um, after the last service was buzzing with those very things. God, mobilize us. We are here for your use. Our homes, our resources, our love and attention, they're up, they're yours. So would you please give us directions so that as a church, we can continue to be a place where you look and you're like, let's go. Come on, my people, you are loving. And ultimately that they, we would be able to minister in a way that shows people their true need, their true desire, which is Jesus who saves God. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's message. We hope to see you next Sunday. We would love to personally invite you to one of our services at 9 and 1045 a.m. in the Performing Arts Center in Warsaw Community High School at One Tiger Lane in Warsaw, Indiana. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, review, and connect with us on social media by following Mission Point CC. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Mission Point. Simply visit missionpoint.net slash give and give a gift today. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week.